Let's pray, and then uh, we're going to get rolling this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for today, a day that we can worship you and praise you, a day that we can get into the subject uh, that is so important because it's everyday life, and that is our neighbors. And so, Lord, I pray that everything that I preach and everything that I say will bring glory to you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. I don't know what you think about when you hear the phrase, love thy neighbor, but we're going to be unpacking that throughout the summer. Matter of fact, what we're going to try to do is actually go through uh, in the New Testament and look at examples of uh, men and women who, uh, to me, demonstrated what it's like to be a good neighbor. And it's really a big deal. Now, uh, to get us started this morning, uh, I just want to share something with you. It's kind of interesting. Um, I read this article, and I thought it was really uh, pretty cool. It's by Red Crow Marketing, and the CEO of the marketing division had heard this statistic, and so he went on his own research uh, to see if this was true. The, the, the statistic is this, that on an average day, you will experience 4,000 brands of some kind. Now, when I mean brands, that means a label, uh, an advertisement. You're either going to see it, you're going to hear it but 4,000. So this CEO thought, that's way too high. I'm going to log, I'm going to take a, do a day, and I'm going to log every time I hear an advertisement or I see a logo of any kind. And he said before he even got to his car to go to work, he'd already been hit with over 200 logos. Because he said, if you open up your pantry, you're getting bombarded by logos. He said, Dennis, I, I heard just a few minutes on uh, the radio. And then I watched a few minutes of TV. And then when I got in my car and I started looking around, I'm like, oh, my land. We are bombarded. Now, in marketing, uh, they have a, a, a tool that they use, and they know you're getting bombarded. Their goal is that they'll break through what they call your attention wall. They said you really can only retain about 100 of all those images. And you know what happens is you, you filter out all this stuff, but there's a few things lingering and then you ever wonder why you get home and you get your iPad or your phone out and you go to, I, you go to Amazon, I'm like, I'm going to buy fill in the blank. I mean, why did that just happen? It's because they're really good at what they do. And one of the things that all advertisers try to do is they try to come up with something catchy so that it will stick, that will get through that wall, through your attention wall. So these are the five most recognizable jingles or logos uh, of all time, up to this point. Okay, ready? I bet some of you have heard some of these. So uh, these are not in order, but uh, I'll go with the first one. Uh, first one comes from Wendy's. It was the little old lady that stood at the counter, and she said, where's the? Cheese. Yeah, okay, so that one's stuck. Okay, okay. Band-Aid, remember this? I am stuck on Band-Aids, and we've got a choir right here now. All right. M&M's, melts in your mouth, not? Okay, uh, Gray Poupon, pardon me, would you have any? Yeah, I would give you the answer. You should have got that one. Okay, now here's an interesting one, State Farm, and like a? Do you know what? That was the longest running jingle, uh, some say of all time. They, they literally ran that for two or three decades. Why? Because of the phrase what? Good neighbor. Now, all of us know what a good neighbor is. You know why we know what a good neighbor is? Because if we're all honest, haven't we all had rotten neighbors? Am I the only one? Raise your hand. Don't yell names out, and if they're sitting by you, 
Don't look at them, but we know what a good neighbor is, though, don't we? We really do know what a good neighbor is. And I'll tell you what, this is not about looking at others saying, I hope this sermon series looks at our neighbors and how they need to be a good neighbor. This is all about how we need to be a good neighbor. In the Bible, there's 141 references to that one word, neighbor. Now think about that, 141. But here's one that I guarantee you've heard that is so powerful. If you remember, the leaders were trying to pin Jesus down, constantly trying to pin him down. And they said, Jesus, of all the commandments, and there were over 600, what's the greatest commandment? Now, Jesus could have easily taken the easy road and said, what a dumb question. Ten commandments, and walked away. But he didn't do that at all. Instead, Jesus said, I'll tell you what it is. Love the Lord your God, finish it with me, with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he hesitated, and then what did he say next? Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Have you ever thought about how important it is that Jesus himself said, of all the commandments, don't forget, loving your neighbor is right at the top. Now, I don't know about you, but that's difficult sometimes. Being present is difficult sometimes, being a good neighbor. So we're going to look at a Bible character, and we're going to just learn two lessons from his life, and his name is Nicodemus, and what it means to be present as a neighbor. And here's the first lesson. It's simply this. Nicodemus was willing to listen. Look at John 3, and we're going to get into verses 13 through 17. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. For whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Now, who is this guy, Nicodemus? Well, what's interesting is he is part of the Sanhedrin. So let me give you a little background on the Sanhedrin. Uh, you had rabbis, and then you had Pharisees and Sadducees, which were extremely intelligent individuals who memorized the law. And then you had this amazing group of 70 individuals, the Sanhedrin, and they could go anywhere in the world, and they could make a ruling with any Jewish community. So I want you to think about that. They were not only experts in the law, but they could travel the world, and they were experts in Jewish law and biblical truth. So in other words, they could go to any community in the world and say, oh, we have a member of the Sanhedrin, and if there were any legal battles, that individual could settle a dispute. So that shows you this is the sharpest of the sharpest when you talk about Nicodemus. And you want to talk about intelligent? This guy not only knew the Torah, he knew the Jewish laws, the legal system. And yet when he heard Jesus teach, something in him changed. And he just desperately wanted a conversation with Jesus. And I love that about a guy that was so educated that he still knew, I've got something that I can learn. All of us need to realize the importance to just keep learning. All of us never should lose our curiosity. Think of all the countless ceremonies that he went to, 
all of the different lessons that he had heard, and yet Jesus changed everything. I love that about Nicodemus, that he was willing to find Jesus. Now, you know what I love about Jesus? That he was willing to talk to Nicodemus, not on Jesus' terms, but on what? His terms. In other words, he said, Nicodemus, I think that's awesome that you're curious. When do you want to meet, and where do you want to meet? And he met him wherever he was. Now, that is the first sign, actually, of a good neighbor, is are you willing to meet your neighbor where they live? Are you willing to reach out to them and listen? Because that's the most important thing, is to always start with listening. To be interested is more important than being interesting. So I want to start with something here and ask you something that's a pretty loaded question. I'm going to let you know that what's coming next week so you can be praying about it. And if some of you want to blow off church, I'm going to know why. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to confess right now that I'm going to fall in the category of I should have done this already. But here's what we're going to do. All of you are going to get a half piece of paper. And in the middle, in the center of the paper, it's going to have my home. And then it's going to have four squares, north, south, east, and west. And I want you to simply write your neighbor's name. The neighbor to your north to your south, to the east and the west. And then all summer, I just want you to start praying for your neighbors. So I know what some of you are thinking because it's what I'm thinking. There's one of my neighbors I don't know. And they've been there a couple of years. I should know. And some of you may be sitting here going, I don't even know my neighbors to my north or the south. Some of you may be thinking, I go to school, that doesn't count. Well, yeah, it does. Yeah, I just want you to think about the people that are closest to you. And first of all, do you know their names? And then are you willing to pray for them? Now, I don't want you to run across the street today and say, oh, yeah, I'm praying for you. It's obvious you need it. I mean, I, not a good way to get started, but to start right now praying for that. See, this is what Nicodemus was searching for. He'd heard the words of Jesus, and he knew this. He's like, Jesus, I need a new start, and I love where Jesus says, you must be born again. Jesus listens so intently, but think about Nicodemus and how he listened to every word of Jesus, the importance of listening. Because remember, this was a guy that could have said, now Jesus, before you teach me anything, I want to share with you my credentials. He could have said that, but instead he listened. So my challenge this morning is, are we willing to step back, pray for our neighbors, and then say, Lord, if the conversation is there, I want to listen. I just want to listen. Here's the second thing I love about Nicodemus is that he was willing to do what was right, not what was easy. He was willing to do what was right, not what was easy. Now I want you to turn with me in your scriptures to John 7, and uh, I'm going to frame a word, and it's the word loyalty. Uh, how many have lived in the same home or in your neighborhood, the same home for at least 10 years? Raise your hand if you've lived at least 10 years. Okay, so you know that if you've lived for a long period of time in one place, that odds are you do know your neighbors, and you know how important it is to have a neighbor who is loyal. You know, when I look back growing up, I can remember having neighbors that really were loyal. And that is an important trait. So I want you to look, starting at verse 45 of John 7, and I, I want again, I want you to see what's going on here. Jesus is traveling, and he knows his life is in danger. 
So he's staying away from Jewish communities for a season. But then he, uh, during, it's called the, the, the Festival of Shelter, he goes into Judea. The Jewish leaders couldn't believe that Jesus showed up because, I mean, it is at a point now that they are wanting to kill Jesus. Jesus shows up, and as usual, Jesus would go to a temple. He would go to a public area, and he would begin teaching. And let's pick it up in verse 45. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? So the Pharisees want the guards to bring Jesus to them. And they said, no one has ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean, I love this, the Pharisees, you mean he's deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Now look at verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was the one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Boy, they are mad. They think they've got Jesus cornered. They, they, in their minds, these guards are going to bring him in and the guards come back without Jesus and they're like, where's Jesus? And they're like, that guy's awesome. Have you heard this guy teach? I've heard you teach. You don't hold a candle to this guy. Now, that's my paraphrase, okay? You don't hold a candle to this guy. And the Pharisees are just so upset, and they're trying to trap Jesus. And the people are confused because the Pharisees are saying, well, he's not actually even one of us. He's, he's, from, he's, he's, he's from another nation. He's not from, you know, he's not from Judea. And they're like, oh, no, no, he was born in Bethlehem. They're trying to figure this whole thing out. But what I love about it is Nicodemus, who remember anywhere he travels in the world, he can settle any dispute because he's part of the Sanhedrin. I mean, this is like a Supreme Court judge in the midst steps forward and says, whoa, time out. Are you actually going to try to persecute Jesus without a trial? Everybody knows he needs a fair trial. And they're outraged because they knew if that's what he speaks, Today, that's what we do. He was loyal to Jesus. Don't you ever wonder from chapter 3 to chapter 7, what happened in Nicodemus' life? Because remember, he had this conversation with Jesus, and then the next time, he is loyal to Jesus. I mean, he's willing to step out in public for Jesus. How important is loyalty? Think about that. I've shared with you before that Maybe some of you in this room can relate. My mom uh, was just shy of 42 when I was born. And my oldest sister, Sonia, was actually expecting, and my mom were expecting babies at the same time. Now, how weird is that, okay? So I have a nephew older than me. Maybe some of you live in that kind of a weird world. And I had these nephews that I was very close to growing up, and it was really a relationship like cousins. I mean, we'd spend a, a week or two every summer together. And so I haven't seen them in over 10 years, and I got a chance to catch up with them for about three days this week. And one of them was grilling. You know how guys are? All it takes is one guy to start grilling. All the guys come out on the deck. Do you? And all it takes is one, do you remember? And then away we went, you know. And uh, we just started laughing and carrying on. And uh, I said, uh, I have a nephew, Mike. And I said, hey, Mike, you know something I'll never forget? I said, I remember when you were playing Little League, and I'd heard about your dad that he actually pulled you out of a game. And he goes, you remember that? And I said, 
tell me again what happened. And he said, well, uh, I uh, made a mistake, had an error, and I was pitching, and the coach was screaming at me, and he called me a pig. He said, you little pig. And he said, my, brother, my dad sat in the stands for about a minute while my sister's like, Don, no. Uh, my brother-in-law is a 20-year Army vet. And so he went to the coach, uh, and he said, you will never speak like that to my son again. Is that understood? Yes, sir. And then he yelled at my son, who had, they put him out in right field. Mike, come here. Now, this is the middle of the game. Mike starts running towards his dad. He goes, get in the car. Am I in trouble? Absolutely not. And I said, Mike, what did you learn from your dad that day? He said, I knew my dad always had my back. Now, my brother was a pretty disciplined, my brother was a pretty disciplined guy. But I tell you what, I started listening to the stories. And they all said the same thing. Oh, yeah, I remember one time when dad went in and talked to the principal. Wow, I wouldn't want to be that guy. I mean, <laughs> loyalty. Think of the times that we have opportunities with our neighbors to simply be loyal, to just show up. That's the greatest thing you can possibly do as far as loyalty is just be there. We're all busy. All of us know that, that we're busy. And again, think of Nicodemus in this incredibly tense situation who just stands up for Jesus. I love that. And then here's the last time we hear about Nicodemus. It's actually found in John, excuse me, chapter 19. And it's towards the end of Jesus' life. Jesus dies. Uh, they take him off the cross, starting at verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by who? Anybody? Nicodemus. The man who earlier, he, I love how John references that, earlier had visited Jesus at night. And he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Let me just pause there. Uh, they've estimated the cost of what that would be today. Anybody want to guess? Around $100,000. This was the most expensive stuff. So this wasn't a guy who just stepped forward and said, I want to take care of the body of Jesus. These two guys said, we're willing to give whatever it takes for proper burial. It says, then they took the body of Jesus, they wrapped him with spices and strips of linen, and this was in, in, in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. We also know because of the size of the stone in front of the tomb that this was an elaborate tomb. This was a, a very wealthy man, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus together. But I want you to think about what Nicodemus did at that moment. The, willing, the, the willingness that he had with Joseph of Arimathea to go and take the body of Jesus in front of everybody meant your life will never be the same, pal. Matter of fact, I wish I knew the rest of the story because my assumption is he would have lost his position immediately. Because he's now not just saying, I believe in Jesus. He's like, I'm going to take care of Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can to take care of Jesus. He boldly stood up for Jesus. 
I heard one speaker years ago, he made this comment, I never thought of it in this text, we, we know, that had they not stepped forward to take the body of Jesus, anybody want to know where they would have put the body of Jesus? It's called the, va the Valley of Gehenna. It's this huge garbage pile. Now think about that. Our Lord and Savior. And yet these men stepped up and boldly said, we'll take Jesus. You see, it's a lesson all of us need to learn from Nicodemus is that you do what's right. You don't do what's easy. And we need to realize even with our neighbors, sometimes it may not be the easiest thing, but we need to do what's right, not what's easy. There are going to be times with our neighbors because our schedules are so crazy that we're going to need to cancel something to help out our neighbor. And my guess is all of you have memories of neighbors who have done that for you. Uh, I see Brad Crow out here. I remember last year I was going through one of the most difficult times of my life, and he pulls up to, to mow my yard. We can all be that kind of neighbor. And I, I got to tell you, sometimes I'm just too stinking busy for my neighbors, and that's wrong. That's just wrong. Whenever I heard that word neighbor, uh, whenever I'm working on a sermon, I, this is when I know I'm ADD because my mind's going all over. And when I heard the word neighbor, sometimes I'm like, okay, what do you think of when you hear the word neighbor? What, I don't know who you think of when you hear the word neighbor, but I kept landing on Mr. Rogers. Now, I don't know if that's a warm childhood. I don't know what. But I don't know if you've ever studied Fred Rogers. He is one of the most amazing men ever. I am serious. And I don't know that I've ever seen a more Christ-like person in my life. What you saw, that's Mr. Rogers is Mr. Rogers. That's who this guy is. I mean, he is just an amazing guy. And uh, was an ordained minister. I don't know if you knew that. But he was at church, and this, uh, this was in the late 1960s. And, and he heard this amazing voice, this African-American gentleman sang. And after church service, he went up and said, I'm starting this little show, and I want to know, will you be on my show? And he said, well, what do you want me to do on your show? He said, I just want you to be you. His name was... Uh, Francis Clemens. He said, I want you to be Policeman Clemens. And this is, again, in the 60s. He couldn't believe. Matter of fact, this is hard to believe. He was the first African-American actor to be on a children's program in history. Think about that. And he said, I'll never forget the day that we had this one episode. And uh, it was in 1969, and there was this kiddie pool. And Mr. Rogers is sitting there with his pants leg rolled up. And he said, Officer Clemens, please roll your pants leg up. And he rolled his pants leg up. And they sat there in that pool talking together. Now Clemens said, people have no idea the risk that he took to do that. And he said, here's the other thing I didn't realize. That was not random. He knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted every child every child who watched that show to know, Jesus loves me, this I know, or the Bible tells me so. Children what? Yellow, black, and white, it doesn't matter. He said, that guy changed my life. On the last episode that they did together in 1993, 
you'll never guess what Fred Rogers wrote in the script. Hey, let's go back to the pool. And so they have a picture of them together. Now I'll tell you what, that's a neighbor. So as corny as it sounds, I want to be like Mr. Rogers. I want to be that kind of neighbor. And that's what this summer's all about. It's just for us to just dig deep and say, Lord, first of all, I want to know who my neighbors are. I want to start praying for my neighbors. And then I actually want to start doing things for my neighbors. Okay? And that's what it's all about. Let me pause and pray for you and then uh, prepare our hearts for communion. Lord, I know that there may be on somebody's heart this morning an important decision to give their life to Christ. Uh, there may be somebody here that wants to step out of uh, maybe the darkness that they felt in their life like Nicodemus was feeling and experienced the light of Jesus Christ for God so loved the world came out of that conversation. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone in these next few moments after we take communion that is pondering, uh, giving their life to Jesus, that we'll be there for, for them in every way that we can. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.